Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The secret to well-being is discovering the power that is your birthright. The power to create a happier, healthier life drawn from our own vast internal resources. Join Jules and her guests as they gently guide you to shift your perspective from the familiar negative to the divinely connected. A place that will not only positively impact your world, but possibly shift the planet. It's all right here on Law of Attraction Talk Radio. Well, welcome to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I'm Jules from beautiful Southern California. Oh boy, we've got an exceptional show for you tonight. And our guest is one of Dr. Wayne Dyer's personal cardiologist and friend, Dr. Terry Gordon. Just wait till you hear uh, the story about how Dr. Gordon met Wayne Dyer and even Kenny Loggins. I think you're going to love it. But on top of all this, you're going to be as mesmerized as I was doing the show. Terry is an absolutely incredible person who is very spiritual and he has a great lesson for us all. I know you're going to enjoy it immensely. And just for your information, if you want to see more about Dr. Terry Gordon, he has a featured article in Law of Attraction magazine. So go and read it because it's all about stress and it's absolutely brilliant. And then watch the little video on there as Wayne Dyer introduces him on stage and where Dr. Terry Gordon talks about his personal journey. It's very, very powerful. So go to lawofattractionmagazine.net and just read all about it. It is really great. I also need to mention that starting February 16th, we're going to be charging once again for the subscription to the magazine. But there will be other ways in which you can get a free subscription. And there is also a way that you can get free hypnosis MP3 and even free group coaching sessions with me. So stay tuned next week as I'm going to tell you some really neat stuff that uh, you can get while you help Law of Attraction Radio grow by leaps and bounds. You know, I have a goal of reaching about 500 million people. Why 500 million, you ask? Because the more people that recognize their power to create, the better off our planet will be. With 500 million people knowing about the law of attraction and the power that they were born with, well, just imagine that collectively there will be an end to the threat of all wars and we will finally be able to experience abundance and prosperity for all. There will be no division between race or sex because everyone will recognize that we're all connected from the cosmos down to the very, very small subatomic level. People will begin to realize that when you harm another, you are only harming yourself. And people will see finally that the reason the separation exists today is through our thoughts, which were started by fear. So I am on a quest to touch as many lives as possible in 2015. And you can help me to achieve that no matter where you live on the planet. Next week, I will tell you more as we gear up for the very next generation of Law of Attraction Radio Network and the Law of Attraction Magazine and how we can get the word out to every corner of the world about the truth of our divine right and power that exists in all of us. So sit back, relax, get comfortable 
as we get ready to hear the magnificence of Dr. Terry Gordon. You are really, really going to love it. We'll be right back after these words. You're listening to Law of Attraction Radio Network, enhancing the well-being of millions of listeners worldwide. LOARadioNetwork.com is heard through 25 different internet radio stations, as well as iTunes Radio, Stitcher.com, and our mobile apps. The Law of Attraction Radio Network, your trusted source of daily inspiration at LOARadioNetwork.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Jay Warren here, professional basketball player and entrepreneur. And I want to give a testimonial for a good friend of mine, Jules Johnson. I call her good friend because before I had met her, I've been listening to her Law of Attraction radio show for over two years. Just the information she shared on her show was amazing that I had to connect and reach out to this woman. After I reached out to her, we spoke, I had a conversation, and she suggested some sessions to me. And just with those couple of sessions that she has gave me, I've seen the dramatic results in my life. It's been mind-blowing on just what a couple of sessions with her have done for me. You know, she's very humble, she's very honest, but she knows her information. She knows the law of attraction and she knows the barriers that are, are keeping you from moving forward in your life. If you're a big believer in the law of attraction, hypnosis, whatever, I highly, highly suggest Jill Johnson for you because she will definitely lead you down the path that you need to go. So thanks again, Jules. I love you very much. Take care. Bye. Well, welcome, Dr. Terry Gordon to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. It's so nice to be here. And my name is not Dr. It's Terry. Yes, sir. Terry. (laughs) It's not sir either. (laughs) (laughs) It's just that I am so delighted to meet you. I, I just feel like I've known you for forever and you have such a tremendous heart so i just want to recap a little bit of your history to give everyone a jump start as to who you are because they're going to fall in love with you just as i have you started way back when with a degree in psychology and then became a medical doctor and then a cardiologist and you won the national physician Uh, of the year award from the American Heart Association in 2002 because of your focus to place automatic external defibrillators, AEDs, in every junior high school and high school due to a tragic death of a 15-year-old football player. And because of you, you assisted in raising all these funds over 2,200 AEDs were placed in schools throughout the state of Ohio. I mean, my goodness, that is incredible. Well, it it was a mission that I set out upon uh, when I viewed the video of Josh Miller's last few moments. Um, It was at a Friday night football game, and uh, he collapsed in front of his teammates and in front of his friends, and sadly, in front of his uh, parents, uh, Josh died. Um, mm. He died of a cardiac arrest, and kids aren't supposed to do that. Right. And you know, it was the most sickening thing watching because it was like a movie I had seen a thousand times, and I knew exactly how it was going to end, and, and sadly it did. Mm. You, it, it, in that normally boisterous stadium, you could hear a pin drop, except for the wail of his mother. And, and that sound continues to this day to reverberate in my soul. And I was uh, then the president of the local chapter of the American Heart Association, and I vowed that wasn't going to happen again, and uh, came up with this plan um, to place AEDs, defibrillators, uh, in every junior and high school in our community, and we did so, becoming the first county of its size in the nation to do that. And and once we did that, and we we trained, um, in that scenario, we trained 12 individuals um, in the use of the AED and CPR, and align them with the local paramedics. And then I started thinking, well, wait, we've done this in our community. What about the next county over where they haven't had a cardiac arrest in a kid? And so I came up with this crazy idea and we were able to get a grant, actually two grants from the state of Ohio, each of which was two and a half million dollars. And we became the first state in in the country to place an AED in just about every school, public, private, parochial, charter, K through 12. 
oh. trained uh, them in the use of the AEDs and CPR, and we aligned them with the local paramedics and 911 service so that when the frantic call came in to the 911 service, the operator would say, there's an AED hanging on the wall right behind you. Go get it. And, and we've had um, over 20 saves, the last of which was uh, just one week ago. It was a parent uh, who was at um, one of the schools where we placed an AED. So um, it's just been this mission um, of saving lives of our most precious resource, our children. Wow. Wow. Serving humanity. I love it. I love it. I also noticed uh, that you're an incredibly spiritual person, as you've indicated in your article in the Law of Attraction magazine. And you're a believer in the power of the mind, which can either betray you or befriend you. But really, something that grabbed my attention was that short video in which Wayne Dyer introduced you and in which you told the story about your daughter and it was the most profound story I've ever heard and I actually gasped when I heard the most powerful statement about life's trauma so Terry would you retell that incredible story I would I was uh, this was in 2009 it was June 29th and I was up in my office uh, doing a little work and my daughter Maddie Rose who I uh, was teaching in Chicago, had come in for the weekend, and and she walked into my office, and, and you know, it's it's a parent's sixth sense when you just can tell something's mm -hmm. not quite right, and and I could just see the sadness dripping from her, and uh, I said, what's up, honey? And she came around my desk and plopped herself down at my feet and put her arms up on my knees, and she said, you know, Dad, I always thought that the older I became, the more control I assumed over my life, the easier life would become. And then with this heavy sigh and a single tear trickling down her cheek, she said, you know, it's just not working out that way. And, and I pulled her up into my arms and I rocked her as I had for 27 some odd years. And, and I, I thought and paused for a very long time because I knew what I was about to say to her would be very important. And I said, you know, darling, I think that's the way it's supposed to be. If we are to progress, if we're to grow spiritually, if we're to get closer to enlightenment, we must face greater and greater obstacles. And it's only by overcoming those obstacles that we're able to achieve that higher level. And, and I, I shared with her that my belief is that everything's in perfect order. And that, uh, that, and I left her with this, this thought after sharing with her um, a statement from the Kabbalah, which is the ancient mystical text of Judaism. And in the Kabbalah, it says, it's the falls of our life that provide us the energy to propel us onto a higher path. The falls of our life. And then I kissed her on the forehead and I left her with one final thought that night. And I said, you know, honey, we really should be grateful for the crap that comes our way. Mm -hmm. The next morning at 640, I received one of the worst phone calls a parent could get. The gray voice on the other end of the line informed me that our son Tyler, who was in school out in Durango, Colorado, had been involved in a single car accident. He had flipped his car over and over, and then came the dreaded words, your son is quadriplegic. Mm. Yeah, you know, Julie, you can't, you can't imagine. You know, yeah. as, as parents, we fret and we worry when our kids aren't home when they're supposed to be or when they come home in a condition they're not, we're not particularly proud of, but you can't imagine the impact of those words when you really hear them. I had about 20 seconds of denial. Um, and then the doctor and me kicked in. I knew exactly where we were going. He, he was, uh, the preparations had already been made to life light him from Durango, Colorado, where he was, to Denver, Colorado, where he would undergo emergency surgery to stabilize his neck. He, he had shattered his neck in the accident. Oh, wow. So within, oh, an hour or so, I had hastily packed a bag and bolted from the house and was speeding up to the Cleveland airport, trying to get on an overbooked nonstop flight that would get me there in time. And it was on the way up to the airport that it hit me that I had left my wife wailing. Now, my, my, I, I don't remember seeing my wife cry, maybe once or twice, and I made her do that. I'm a baby. I, I cry at the, the drop of a hat, but I, it, I felt so terrible as I was speeding up to the airport. How could I ignore the most important person in my life? 
But she knew what I was doing, that I needed to get to the airport. And I got up there to find that there were seven people ahead of me on the wait list. And I, I don't know how, but somehow I got on that flight. Wow. And I was placed um, in a window uh, seat. And I was now like a caged cat. You know, I was incommunicado for three hours. I didn't know if Tyler was alive, dead, brain damaged, bleeding out from internal internal injuries or what. And it, it just was the darkest moment of my life, Jules. Um, I, I, the, the thoughts were pounding inside my head so hard, it was excruciatingly painful. And I felt like I was in this tornado. And it was loud, and it was whooshing, and it was dark, and it was dank, and it was just frightening. And I looked down the funnel of this tornado, and it was just pure blackness. And I remember saying to myself over and over again, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't. And gradually, that loud whooshing sound began to abate. And the dankness and the darkness began going away. And But I still was saying... I can't do this. I can't do this. And I won't tell you that I heard the voice of God, but I heard the words from deep within when God said, yes, you can. And I said, but I don't know how to do this. And God said, Terry, just last night, you shared your truth with your daughter. You can talk the talk, but now you're going to have to live it. And I said, but, but how? I don't have the tools to do this. And God said, everything's in perfect order, Terry, even this. And then the most profound thing was shared with me when God said, treat this as if it was something you had chosen. Now, why would I do that? Why would I choose such a horrific injury on my son? Why, what possible good could come from such a life-altering calamity? What lessons could there possibly be hidden within such turmoil? Now, and I'm not going to tell you this happened right away, but it started at that moment. There was a shift in my consciousness. You know, there are many who believe that we actually choose what it is we are to experience in a particular lifetime. Mm -hmm. And that choice is based on what our spiritual development requires in order to continue on its progressive course. So as I began navigating this storm in our lives, the challenge for me, quite frankly, became adjusting my perception enough of these events to recognize the presence of God within them. And in order to do that, Jules, I had to take my mind way, way, way beyond what I had previously judged as good or bad. I came to an appreciation, <clears throat> excuse me, I came to an appreciation that uh, to accept this adversity as a gift from the divine. Now, it didn't come in the most beautifully wrapped package. In fact, these gifts can appear so disgustingly hideous that it's nearly impossible to figure out how it could ever be of benefit. But along the way, as the dust settled, I came to appreciate that this realm in which we live, this human experience, is the perfect circumstance in which we can approach what I think it is we are all seeking, and that is insight. Mm -hmm. You know, crap happens. None of us is going to be immune to it. None of us are going to be immune to the pain and the turmoil of this existence. But, but life is balanced. Not only with those things that cause us to suffer, but it's beautifully coupled with those things that bring us pleasure as well. And because of that, we're not overly burdened with the negative aspect of these experiences. And the question that was answered for me is, are there really such things as negative experiences? I don't think so. These so-called negative experiences can actually be a blessing in disguise. They can become catalysts for change, fodder for growth. What we have to do, quite frankly, though, we have to free ourselves of the attachment to the good experiences and of the aversions to the negative ones. Because in truth, they're the same. 
There's no duality. You know, we, we often think in terms of duality. There's hot, there's cold, there's good, there's bad, there's high, there's low. They're really one and the same. It's like a pendulum. You know, you, you can't know love unless you've experienced hate. Right. So we need to maintain that equilibrium uh, in our lives. I, I had the experience that really brought this home to me. <clears throat> Excuse me. We had been in, Durant, in um, um, Denver for about a week. And it was a terrible week. I mean, Tyler almost died two or three times. And it's just, you know, we were just trying to get settled into our our new life. And we, we were staying in an apartment juxtaposed to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And one morning I awoke. And when I opened my eyes, there was a, 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 a tiny crack in the curtains. And the sun was streaming in through the curtains, through the glass, and projecting little prisms all over the ceiling and the walls. And when I opened my eyes, that's what I saw. And I remember my first thought was, oh, thank you, God. What a beautiful day. Thank you. Thank you. And then suddenly it hit me where I was and what we were doing. And I felt so guilty because I had actually enjoyed something when my son couldn't. I had enjoyed something when my wife couldn't see the brightness. And quite frankly, I hadn't seen the brightness. And then it hit me. Why shouldn't I enjoy the beautiful day? It's there. It's, it's like a little puppy dog that's just sitting right by your side, just waiting to be noticed. And, and, and it started me thinking about finding the beauty in the belly of the beast. Because the beauty abounds. It's right there. It's just a matter of what you're going to place your focus on. So we have a choice. And the choices are either you become a victim. You say, why me? You lick your wounds and suffer. Or you accept the gift from God. And you learn from it. And you take everything you can from it. And because of that, it is not a tragedy that has occurred. It's a gift. The tragedy, quite frankly, is in experiencing something like this and not learning something from it. So if you can learn even one little thing from a bad experience, it is no longer a bad experience. You know, you mentioned Wayne. Right. Uh, I had um, a patient of mine who... Um, uh, kind of called me on it. I walked into his room one day and, uh, and he said, uh, you, Dr. Gordon, and he had never met me before and I'd never met him. He said, you know, you're killing yourself. And I said, I, I beg your pardon. And he said, well, you've got this great energy around you, but it's all fractured, man. You better do something about it or something very bad is going to happen. And he suggested a couple of things to me. He suggested that, uh, I read a couple of Wayne's books and he suggested that I learn how to meditate. And I had dabbled with uh, transcendental meditation back in the 70s. But, you know, I didn't need that stuff. I'm, I'm in control, you know. <laughs> but I did read a couple of Wayne's books. And they really resonated with me. It was uh, real magic and inspiration. Mm. And I tried to call him. And uh, his secretary answered the phone. And I said, <clears throat> this is Dr. Gordon. I'd like to speak with Dr. Dyer, please. Well, she could have cared less, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, well, you know. I even gave him the 800 number to the hospital so he wouldn't have to waste a dime to call me back. And, you know, he never called back. So um, this was actually the, the, in 2002, uh, right before I went to Dallas to get that award, I took uh, the family to Hawaii. And my wife, Angela, had developed shingles about a day or two before we left. Oh. And it was, I don't know how she made it out there. She was so sick. And we got out there and she couldn't get out of bed. And I'm, I'm, one morning, you know, kind of walking out on the beach, I tried to meditate and just couldn't get in the mood. And I'm coming back to the uh, hotel and I'm kind of kicking the sand, feeling sorry for myself. And Jules, guess who I bumped into on the beach? <laughs> Wayne Dyer. Wayne Dyer. <laughs> and, and, and I walked up to him and I said, man, you know, I know you're on vacation. I didn't know he lived there. So I know you're on vacation and I don't want to bother you, but I really have to thank you for saving my life. And he said, Really? Tell me about it. Now, for 20 minutes, I was the most important person to this guru. Oh, wow. 
And so we got to talking and somehow it came out that I was a cardiologist and he had just had a stent place. So we had even more to talk about. So he says, how long are you going to be out here? And I told him we were out there another three or four days. And he said, well, well, why don't you come visit me? My condo's right over there. So I ran back to the to the room. And Angela's still asleep. And I, I woke her up and I, I stuck my hand out at her. I said, honey, you might want to touch this hand. And she goes, ooh, why? And I said, well, it just touched the hand of Dr. Wayne Dyer. <laughs> well, <laughs> this miraculous recovery occurs. Makeup is being applied. And we're out on the beach trying to find Wayne, as she calls him. <clears throat> so we ultimately... Uh, bumped into him again and had dinner with him and became very good friends. Little did I know that that not so fortuitous uh, crossing of our paths was setting the stage for me for something that was going to happen a decade later. Uh, and so it was very purposeful that, um, that Wayne's path and my path crossed and uh, God love him. We, you know, we've become very close friends, and he's had me speak at uh, three or four of his events, and wrote a beautiful foreword in my book, "No Storm Lasts Forever." And uh, actually, the book was was Wayne's idea. And really, it was. We were supposed to have gone on a family trip with his family, um, and that was planned the middle of July of the same year that Tyler, our son, was injured. And he called God love him every day. Every day he called. And one of the things that he suggested to me was that I journal. And I had never done anything like that, never kept a diary, and, and I really had never done any writing. So I started kind of keeping this journal, and after a while I showed it to a couple of my closest friends. And they said, you know, you, you can't keep this to yourself. You've got to share this. And uh, it ultimately became uh, No Storm Lasts Forever. And uh, it was very therapeutic for me in writing it. And um, it's it's touched the lives of, of a number of people. So. Oh yeah, it is wonderful. You know, it's it's like I I I am so captured by your voice. It's hard for me to to even break through and ask you a question because it's like wow, you're you're so similar to Dr. Dyer in that you're just riveted by what you're speaking. It's like you can feel the vibration of you. It's just really incredible. But I do want to go back and ask you, well, why do you call yourself the wounded healer? Well, you know, I, I used to think that I had a lot to say until I experienced this um, accident of my son. The, the wounded healers, uh, several people started calling me that. And, and I have to admit, I felt a little uncomfortable about that. Um, when I first graduated medical school, my, my wife crafted me this um, embroidery. Um, and I'm going to botch the, the exact same, but it went something like, treat each of your pa patients as a loved one. Feel his pain, his loneliness, his fear. You will suspect everything and miss nothing. Like it or not, you will be loved as you love. And I kept that in my office. And every morning when I would leave the office to go into the hospital, I would read that. When the first few people started referring to me as the wounded healer, um, there was um, a centaur. His name was Kiran. And it turned out he ended up getting uh, wounded by an arrow that had been dipped in Hydra's blood. And he became very ill. And what happened as a result of that, this anguish set him out on a journey of discovery, trying to find his own cure. And along the way, he discovered how to heal others. And he found that by teaching others the art of healing, he himself found this haven of healing for himself. Huh. He... he found that surviving the personal pain and turmoil of, of such challenging sufferings enhanced his healing skills. Really? Yes. And enduring that type of pain teaches all of us how to help others. And, and we really can't, you know, you can sympathize with others. You really can't 
empathize with others unless you've actually experienced the pain. And I'm very close to that right now. I mean, we've been home since Tyler's accident for uh, coming up on six years. I still can't imagine what it's like for my son. Mm. And I'm with him every day, day in and day out, interacting with him all the time. I still can't imagine what he goes through. Not being able to pick up something that he wants to pick up or something that he's dropped. And, and I think it's, again, through experiencing your own pain that you can better empathize mm-hmm. with those who are in pain. So, you know, when I first started medicine now, you know, when I first started my, in my practice, you know, I, I, I wanted to become emotionally involved. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. I can't be objective. I can't be the best doctor, physician, unless I am objective. In other words, I, I what's the word? I'm not dehumanizing it, but I, I take away the person that, that I'm dealing with. I, I objectivize that person. Mm-hmm. And then I realized what I was missing by taking that sort of attitude. And I opened up my heart to my patients. And it was just so much better. I was a better physician. And, and the love that, that I shared with my patients just became so, so enhanced. So you were healing them through your own love. As well as healing yourself. Exactly. Wow, very powerful. So tell us about your son today. Well, uh, like I said, we're uh, five and a half, almost six years into this. Um, He uh, physically uh, is not doing that well. Uh, Spiritually, he's doing very well. Um, I, um, from the beginning, my prayer for Tyler was not that he would walk again. I didn't have the audacity to tell God what I thought healing should be. Mm-hmm. My prayer for Tyler was that he would heal. And I'm seeing that. It's taken a long time, you know, uh, and, and people go through this experience at a different pace, depending on where they are when and what their experiences have been when something of this magnitude happens. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler, uh, very early on, was very angry, and understandably. I mean, he was just turning 21. He was ripped. I mean, this kid had muscles where I'd forgotten muscles existed. He was a phenomenal guitarist, worked on cars, loved snowboarding, and, you know, that sort of thing. And, and, and everything that defined who he was left. It was gone in a, in a split second. So he was, he was very angry uh, to begin with. And so, again, my prayer all along has been for healing. About, oh, probably two months ago, he, um, he has these involuntary spasms where he actually jerks himself up into um, almost a fetal position involuntarily. And, and there have been a couple of times where he's actually jerked himself out of bed. And, and one night he called out and I went running in there and he was halfway out of bed. And, uh, you know, I got him back in bed and, you know, got him situated and calmed down. And, you know, it's like three thirty, four o'clock and we just started shooting the bull, you know. And he asked me this question, Jules, and it was so poignant. You know, he said, you know, Dad, if you could be anybody else and you could move anywhere else in the world and nobody would know you made that choice, who would you want to be and where would you want to go? And I shared with him that about a month before that, I had had that thought. You know, my mother... Uh, God love her, is, is uh, experiencing pretty significant dementia, but she understands what we're going through. And she always asked me, you know, son, don't you just feel like running away from home? And there was a time, I don't know, three, four months ago where I felt like Davy Crockett at the Alamo, you know, there was nobody watching my back. Yeah. And I just kind of thought, God, I just want to run away from home. And then I started thinking, you know, just a mind game, where would I want to go and who would I want to be there with? And I thought, you know, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. And I wouldn't want to be with anybody else. And I told Tyler that. And he said, you know, Dad, I feel the same way. Wow. Which was huge, Jules. I mean, it's just, to me, you know, the prayer that I've been praying all these years that he would heal were just answered. Mm. So he's, he's coming around. 
he's coming around. Uh, again, physically, he's not doing so hot. But um, my gosh, he has grown in ways hmm, never imagined, and I'm sure he never imagined. So he has released the anger, and he's just okay with where he is today. That is true. Wow. Thank goodness he has you. <laughs> Well, I don't. I don't know that he would have shared that same sentiment up until recently, but he feels that way now, and that's all that counts. <laughs> wow. Well, tell us about what suggestion would you give to somebody that's had a life-altering experience? What What would you suggest? Just getting. And accepting as fast as you can or getting to the place that you understand that this may have been a life's journey that you were supposed to be on. Well, you know, everybody is different, first of all, and everybody comes from a different place. So I, I don't know that there is a template for everyone to use. All I can share is, is my journey. Um, and, and that has been... One that you know, I didn't realize it, but I was being prepared for. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think most of us, you know, we busy ourselves. We busy our lives away. We work, 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 work. And then we, whatever it is that we occupy our time with. You know, right, right after um, I retired, I, I actually uh, had fallen off of the ladder out here at the farm and, and hurt my head and neck and had to retire. And, um. I remember one, and, and Angela you know, has post-repetic neuropathy, so she's in pain all the time. So she's up all night in pain and then sleeps during the day. And, you know, we were like ships passing in the night. And I remember one morning, you know, I was up and I was walking around the house and I'm thinking, gosh, this isn't what I thought retirement was going to be. And then it hit me. I was given exactly what I needed. Quiet time contemplative time. I never had that. I never took the time to contemplate much of anything. I just work, 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 work. And then when I was at home, I work, 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 work. And then I got up the next morning, went back to work. And I think most of us tend to do that, especially physicians, where we don't really contemplate Mm. what it is we're here for. What's our purpose? And I think once you do that, once you go within and, and, and get, catch glimpses of what that purpose is, it becomes obvious, at least it was for me, that people like Wayne and others were being placed in my path at just the right moment. Mm-hmm. Just the right moment. In, in my book, I, um, um, I quoted lyrics from um, a song by Kenny Loggins. You remember him? Yes. Oh, and yes. I, I mean, if I could be anybody else in the world, it would be Kenny Loggins. <laughs> I'm not. So, you know, I had already chosen these words, and, and, and they, 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 there was a song on his album, Back to Pooh's Corner, called Cody's Song. And, and the lyrics went something like, when you feel afraid, when you lose your way, don't worry. I'll be there to sing to you. And from the moment I heard about Tyler's accident, that song just kept scrolling in my mind. So I use that at the beginning of the book and it's also at the end of the book, but I hadn't gotten around to asking permission to use the lyrics yet. And I was in Lake Charles, Louisiana, visiting my mother and it was not a real fun trip. The purpose of the trip was for me to take her car away from her. So she was not a very happy person. And when I got ready to leave, I leaned over and kissed her goodbye and said, I love you. And she said, well, I don't love you. And I never want to see you again. So that's how I left my mother. So I go out to this little podunk airport in Lake Charles and uh, to find that my flight has been canceled, not delayed, canceled. Well, I'm not going back to mom's apartment. So they're going to find me a flight before I leave that place, you know. So a couple, three hours later, they find us a flight. We're getting ready to board. And this guy behind me says, man, I sure hope this doesn't screw up our connecting flights out of Houston. And I turned around to say, well, maybe they're delayed in Houston, too. And I looked and I said, Man, you look an awful lot like Kenny Loggins. He goes, hi. <laughs> it's a true story, Jewel. Now, people just kind of, I mean, you know, I told him what I was doing and I asked him, you know, he said, well, tell me about your son. And I did. And I said, would you write an endorsement for my book as well as approve me to use your lyrics? He said, absolutely. So <laughs> beautiful endorsement. 
So the point I'm trying to make is not that I'm special because I am not. Everybody has this within them, this magic. You know, it's the real magic that Wayne talks about. We all have it. It's just a matter of being cognizant of it. It's a matter of being aware of the possibilities, you know? Wow. So, wow. so I, going back to your original question, I, I think, you know, it, 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 it depends on, on where you are spiritually. And you may never get there during this incarnation. But um, if, you, if you look hard, you'll see where preparatory things have happened in your life that get you to where you are right now. And they continue to do so. So you also developed cancer. I did, didn't I? You know, this was like a, a year into uh, our experience, and it was just terrible here. I mean, we were like in this boat paddling in different directions. And uh, and my father had prostate cancer, so I, I was always very vigilant with my PSA, the test that they do for prostate cancer. And it was still normal, but it was rising, but still within the normal range. And so I went to the urologist and he said, well, you know, come back in a year and we can take another look and see if, you know, another blood test. And she said, you know, I think I want a biopsy. And he took this biopsy and I didn't think I was going to have it. And he didn't think I was going to have it. And he calls me one day and he said, Terry, I don't believe it. It came back positive. And you know, how you think you're going to respond when you get that diagnosis? I didn't. I didn't. And, 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 and I'm not, this isn't bravado. I remember thinking, feeling like a little boy who'd gotten caught with his hand in the cookie jar. And, and I'll, I'll tell you what that means. You know, I knew that the toxicity, the negative energy that I was absorbing was going to do something. It was going to end up being manifest somehow. And it came out manifest as prostate cancer. And I remember looking up as I was talking to the urologist, looking up towards the sky saying, okay, God, if you think despite what I've got on my plate right now, I can handle this. I will. And I was never one Jules to, to believe that you know, God doesn't give you more than you can carry. I, I just never embraced that until then. <laughs> and now, you know, it, I, it, it was another gift. It was another gift to prove to me that I could do it. With God by my side, I could do it. And, you know, there have been other storms in our lives since, um, since Tyler's injury and my prostate cancer. And each time one of those comes, people say, Terry, God, how are you doing this? And my answer to them is, I thank God for the gift. So it's, it's, it's you know, Wayne often says, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Yeah. I did that. I really did. Rather than saying, why me? I said, why not me? Thanks. I can handle this. I can do it. I can do it. And so and if, what is the outcome of the cancer? Well, I went up to the Cleveland Clinic and had that robotic surgery. Uh-huh. Not something I didn't enjoy doing again, but, uh, you know, it, it was all clean and, you know. You're fine. I'm, I'm fine and going to be fine. And I try to stay away from that toxic energy. And, uh, and you know, the only way you can do that is when you're immersed in it. So, you know, every time those sorts of things happen to you, um, look for the lessons deep within. So when you're in that toxic situation, do you recognize it fast and then take the steps such as journaling to move yourself out of it? I use meditation. Ah. Yes. I, I took that patient's uh, advice, uh, the one that was in the hospital, and I started mm -hmm. uh, meditating. And, 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 you know, there's so many different ways to meditate. I mean, I, I, I do basically transcendental meditation. But I also found that, you know, when I was in the hospital, say, and it got very, very stressful there most of the time, I could go off into the bathroom for two minutes and get into a meditation for two minutes only that would change my outlook on everything and the rest of the day. Interesting. And so what I've, I've found is that I can meditate while talking to you. I can, and, and still have a good conversation 
it may not seem that way on your side of the conversation, but I think I'm having a great conversation. But what I'm saying is that you can meditate anywhere, anytime. You don't need to be seated in the lotus position. You don't need to be in the synagogue or the chapel or the church. Or the, you can do it outside. I do. I love to do that when I'm just out walking in nature. And nature has been a godsend to me. I've learned so much from nature in, in this. Uh, I I have to agree with you because I feel like I've been meditating just listening to you. There is something tremendous about you and your energy level. It's like, wow, very, very powerful. Uh, Really, I have to say that you are the first person that I've ever experienced with. And I've been doing these interviews for eight years and it's like, wow, this is amazing. Whatever you have done, sir, you have done correctly because you are teaching us right now a very, very important lesson. And wow, you have really served the world. Well, you know, I always thought my dharma, my purpose, was to be a cardiologist. And my whole life from age seven was directed toward being a cardiologist. I lived and breathed it and the training and all that. And then when I had to retire, I was at a place where I knew this was not the end. This was just the beginning. And and I really walked away from the practice without ever, ever looking back, even let my license expire because I knew that part of my life was done. And I, I, I realized that my purpose wasn't to be a cardiologist. My purpose at that point in time was to save the lives of children. And I had to be a cardiologist in order to do that. So that became my purpose. And then once I completed that, I realized that my purpose is still to heal hearts. It's just in a different way. And perhaps, not perhaps, I think in a much more meaningful way. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we're as physicians, we're trained to cure, cure people. That's not what it's like. That's not what it's about. It's about healing, and healing doesn't occur in the physical plane. So it doesn't matter what you get. We're all going to get something. It's what we do with it. It's what we do with it to heal our souls, our spirits. Healing doesn't occur on the physical plane. No, ma'am. Wow. does not. Now, most of us... Egotistical doctors think it does. You know, I came out of the world famous Cleveland Clinic and I mm-hmm. felt like I could do just about anything. I could save just about anybody. Wrong. Wow. You know, in, inside each of us, there are two selves. Okay. One self is the self that is this ego encapsulated in skin housed in this vessel we call a body. It's it's temporary, it's mortal, uh, it's fractured, uh, it's so fragile that it can be irreversibly altered by disease, by injury, and even by our thoughts. That's the one self. The other self is the authentic self. It's the real self. It's the spiritual self. It's the immortal self. It's the self that resides on a much higher plane. And what I have been able to do, and I can't tell you how I do this, but I've been able to transcend above the physical plane to this place of higher consciousness where I become a passive observer. No, no judgment, no interference, no agenda on my part. It's just passive observation. And what I'm able to do when I'm in that place is I can watch my son as he's going through this experience. Not, not as a father, because in the physical plane, as a father, I ache for right. the ocean of suffering he's endured. But, but in this other place, I'm not the father. I'm just a silent, passive observer. So I can watch and I can see where he's going. And I can watch my wife as she's going through this and my children. And the strangest thing, Jewel, is I can watch myself as I'm going through this in, on the physical plane. But in, from a, this place of higher awareness. And, and I think 
what's going to happen one of these days is that I'll be in that place of higher awareness as I watch myself die. Wow. Because we know that spirit lasts forever. It's, it's there forever. Energy, Absolutely. energy doesn't die. It changes. And it lasts forever. So this energetic place of higher awareness is there forever and always has been forever. Wow. Wow, that's so profound. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, I'm speechless. <laughs> well, and, and you know that's not to minimize what life is about. It's a it's a critical thing that we have to do uh, being incarnated. You know, you know, we, we I believe, you know, we come back until we get it right and and learn our lessons. And if we don't learn our lesson in one life, we're going to get to come back and experience it again. That doesn't necessarily mean on this earth. It may be. I don't know that. But but the energy knowing that the energy doesn't die is comforting so it this is coming from a cardiologist a science backed person mm -hmm. educated that there is reincarnation mm. powerful well uh, uh, do we have a, a few minutes because i could share with you please what, please learn this we we had a place down at Lake Mohawk, which is about an hour and a half south of where we live. And it was, uh, we were getting ready to take a much needed two week vacation. And you know what the last day it works like, it's terrible. Everybody wants a piece of you. So I got home around 8.30, piled the family in the suburban and off to Lake Mohawk we go. So we, um, we get uh, about halfway there and my mind's still going a million miles an hour. And my wife, Angela, trying to make small talk says, you know, honey, we really need a new vacuum cleaner. Well, the last thing I wanted to think about at that time was a vacuum. <laughs> I told her so, and it wasn't a very nice way that I shared it with her. So needless to say, the rest of the trip was a very quiet one. And when we, when we got to the cabin, I did just what I was supposed to do. I went straight to my room. So the next morning, now I get up hours before anybody else. So I get up, and what I do to unwind is I go down to the lake, I get down on my knees, and I pull weeds. So I'm down there for a couple hours. Angela had gotten up and left to go to the grocery store. And I knew I was still in the doghouse because generally she'll yell down, I love you, sweetie. But she'd do that. So <laughs> I'm pulling weeds, you know, being in the doghouse. And she'd been gone about five minutes um, when I heard her call my name. Now, the strange thing was I heard her call my name from behind me. And behind me was just forest. And she wasn't in the forest looking at me. So um, I, I started pulling weeds again, still kind of unsettled. And uh, my daughter, Layla, came running out of the cabin, yelling and screaming, Daddy, come quick, come quick. So I went running up to the top of the hill. She said, Mommy's at the front gate. There's a man dying and they need you. So I hopped in the other car, made the uh, five-minute trip in about two minutes. And as I pulled up to this scene, I felt like Moses because I jumped out of the car and I said, I'm a cardiologist. Can I help? Well, with that, the water's part and it's my baby. Okay. So this guy is in a full cardiac arrest. We're in a county in Ohio that did not have 911 service. So I got there before the paramedics got there. Oh, my gosh. So we're doing CPR. Finally, the ambulance arrived. I got their defibrillator and shot this guy oh, probably four or five times and had to intubate him, put a tube down to help him breathe and offered to take a ride with him up to the nearest hospital. So we made it up to the hospital with him. He did survive, but he wasn't awake. And I started to say something to his wife, but things were so hectic, I just decided to leave well enough alone. So we hopped back in the ambulance and we're on our way back down to Lake Mohawk when it hit me that I heard my wife call my name. Now, I'm a scientist. You know, you got to prove it to me before I'm going to believe something. So I'm not about to tell my wife what I experienced. Rather, I asked her what she had experienced when I got home. And she said, well, you know, my first thought was to turn around and go get you. But she knew that it would take too long. Her second thought was, you know, Terry, you're under so much stress and this is your vacation. Let somebody else handle it. And she said she couldn't do that either. So I asked what happened next. And she said, well, I tried to call you on the phone, but we're down there so infrequently I couldn't remember the phone number. And I said, well, what happened next? And she said, I just called your name out. Now, Jules, as God is my witness, I heard her call my name wow. four miles away. Paul Harvey, page two. <laughs> That night, oh, it gets better. 
that night, the phone rings. And it's the wife of the man that I helped to resuscitate. And she was so thankful. She said, you know, Dr. Gordon, you came up and said, I'm a cardiologist. She said, I'm just convinced an angel had arrived. And I said, well, if you talk to my mom, she's not going to tell you that. I'm sure you're that. She said, but, you know, we're just so grateful that you happened to be at the right place at the right time. And, and we want to get you something. And I said, ma'am, you don't understand. I, being able to help save your husband's life is the most invigorating thing I can do. She, and I don't want anything. She says, no, no, we absolutely insist. She said, you know, we're working people. We work at Hoover. Can we buy you a vacuum cleaner? <laughs> I swear to God. Jewel, I swear to God. If that doesn't get your attention, nothing will. And I was receptive for some reason. I mean, all this stuff happened. It happened in front of my family. You know, so it wasn't, I made this stuff up. This happened, and it I, happened for a reason. It, it was, it was getting me to wake up, and 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 you know, it's, it's like what I think Wayne wrote a book. Um, oh, I'm drawing, drawing a blank on the name of it. Um, I'll instead of I'll I'll believe it when I see it. It's I'll see it when I believe it, yes. and that was the shift in my consciousness at that second. I changed the way I looked at things. I'll see it when I believe it, which is not the way I was taught. Oh, wow. So that's what happened to me. That is incredible. And you got a good vacuum cleaner on top of it we, all, right? <laughs> we did. And I kept saying, we don't, I kept lying. We don't need one. We don't need one. <laughs> saying, we need one. We need one. <laughs> Wow, this is so fabulous, and we're almost out of time, but um, I want to have you talk a little bit about No Storm Lasts Forever, Transforming Suffering into Insight, uh, and tell people where they can get it and why they need to have it. I mean, just listening to you, this is a must-read book. Well, you know, it's a sweet little book. It's not a, a, a big book, but it's a sweet little book. And, and it's not about a kid with a spinal cord injury. It's about dealing with loss. And it, it can be, you know, the same fear is involved when you lose a relationship or you have loss of your portfolio or the loss of part of your body or, or the loss of a relationship. Um, it's the fear that gets us. Mm -hmm. And, and you'll see the recurrent theme in this book is finding beauty in the belly of the beast. It's right there. It's just a matter of shifting your consciousness and focusing on the beauty. That doesn't mean that you're ignoring the, the, the loss. That's something that you do have to go through and grieve, but it's our choice whether we choose to, to, to become the victim, as I said earlier, or accept the gift. And if you look deeply into any perceived tragedy, any perceived negative experience, there is something positive from it. Now, difficult to find in the midst of it, but, um, but it's a book that uh, I, I know will touch the hearts of those that choose to, to get it. You can get it uh, at Barnes & Noble. Um, or they could go to drterrygordon.com too, they can. right? You can, yes. And Amazon, it's on Amazon as well. I understand that you offer a free daily affirmation and monthly newsletter. Yes, yes. If you go to my website, uh, drterrygordon.com, and that's just D-R, no period behind it, Terry, T-E-R-R-Y, Gordon, G-O-R-D-O-N.com. And uh, I'm also on, of course, you know, Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Google and all that stuff. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It has been such a delight talking with you. I want everybody to go to Love Attraction Magazine, too, to read his really insightful article on stress. Mm -hmm. it, it makes so much sense for you to understand what's happening to your body as you are doing this stress and what you can do to get out of it as well. You are so wonderful, Terry. Will you please come back onto my show and share again with our listeners? I would love to. I'd love to. Oh. Thanks for having me, Jules. You are fabulous. Thank you so much for being truly a blessing to this world.
Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with another great show from Law of Attraction Talk Radio. If you'd like to comment on tonight's show, send an email to jules at loaradionetwork.com and have a great week. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.